The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Uruguay Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com. And on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, uh, because I'm only probably just gonna be getting this out like uh, four, you know, four or five hours. So I'm recording like you know, like ten in the morning here, Pacific time. Um, yeah, uh, later than I wanted. I thought it was actually gonna be early this week. Was even thinking about um, recording on my birthday, uh, which was on Wednesday. Thank you guys very much for the birthday wishes. They came in very handy because uh, I just essentially ended up. Uh, I'm kind of a zombie on Wednesdays anyways, because usually it's like, you know, like this week it was uh, the PFL main event, the Dana White Contender Series prep, um, the uh, which we shot the video, and I got uh, the breakdown done, or at least the video watching portion early for Shevchenko Karmouche. But, you know, so do the write-up, get that all polished off and sent in, and uh, main card picks for not just staff picks on uh, Tuesday, but also uh, Tuesday morning. Shout out to Julian Marquez, by the way. Uh, I joined him to break down the main card, and I posted that here, so hopefully that at least satiated you guys for my help uh, as an appetizer for these usual kind of later <laughs> episodes as I tend to do it. Uh, thank you for sticking with me. And again, shouts to Julian Marquez, UFC middleweight, uh, who had me on his show to Coffee Talk. It was fun. We went in the UFC PI. Um, had some really bad machine coffee, but we talked about it. And more importantly, we talked about uh, the fight. So, yeah, my head was like just the zombie mode as it usually is again on Wednesdays, you know, especially with right, right now with the stretch, you know, um, the contender series, which is awesome. Like, I love it. But again, with just the normal, you know, PFL belt, which Bellator has been light, uh, but, you know, UFC, which never light. And I think we're actually getting a week off, but I don't feel it because we'll have like contender series and other stuff going. Anyways. Neither here nor there, but yeah, I, I was just zonked out, and then I kind of get bummed out on holidays and, like, my birthday in general. Like, I think one, probably just because I, I you know, um, I, I never felt comfortable with, like, even when I was a kid, like, I remember like, one of the most awesome birthday parties, I was so lucky to have it. I felt lucky back then, definitely grateful now. Um, like, it was like, I don't know, uh, you know, parents invited, like, all the kids from Taekwondo, because uh, I was all all up in that that taekwondo biz when I was a kid, and uh, all my taekwondo friends that went met in a bowling alley. But even then, I remember just going like, I don't, because I'm just maybe it's my low low self esteem. Uh, you know, I just I don't. I'm like, why why I don't deserve this? I know it's my birthday, but why should the attention be on me? Oh, this is awkward. Like I've always kind of had that feeling. So I mean, so I've never really been like a big birthday person in that sense. Uh, you know. Again, I'm citing like awesome birthdays. I got to go like back to when I was a little kid and whatnot. Like I'm not really a birthday person. So, um, but you know, also I think I, I just kind of get a little down on those days and, and sometimes holidays because you know I, I never really had that uh, friend circle or, or typical 
uh, family upbringing. I know I cited a really nice memory, but you know I can also say I've spoken to my father in 12 years, and he's not in prison, so that's not an excuse. But it's another story for another day, folks. I'm just saying Dan Tom doesn't really have the most didn't have the most healthiest upbringing, neither here nor there. Um, and um, and yeah, so you know, and you know, it's just it's it's crazy, folks. I guess the long winded message here is if you got friends or family. Whether it's your holidays or birthday, be grateful, man. And especially if you like get to hang out with these people and see them regularly, um, just be grateful. You know, uh, coming from somebody who just spent like, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I, I mean, my, I'm still, I mean, I'm 33 going to 34, so mid 30s now. But you know, leaving the early 30s, I'm like, but there's been a trend these past couple birthdays where like I, I just haven't done anything and it's by myself and I'm like this is kind of depressing <laughs> like I know I spend the majority of the weeks by myself but I'm like wow this is really depressing and I think also because it hit on this week where uh and I'm just want to address by the way folks timestamps timestamps I don't this episode hopefully will be under an hour I should be able to keep this breakdown under about a half hour but I, I am going to go recap um a couple events this week really you know blow through it like I normally do but also uh, this melodramatic intro here is actually leading to some some things you guys been asking me about as far as you know what's next and with the junkie thing I know I addressed a bit last week but I'm still getting a lot of those questions so so uh, just bear with me and then feel free to skip ahead so as per usual uh, show notes for those uh, timestamps and yeah so um it also didn't help that it fell on the week where like this is my first week in two years now uh, pretty much two years I mean just literally like two weeks short of two years my start date was 2017, August 18th. I think it's August 9th, recording this. And uh, August 2nd was my last uh, official day on MMA Junkie Radio. Uh, our, was la- all, all of our last official day as far as being on Sirius. Um, the show kind of is an unofficial week off, although I think they're doing stuff up on the, on the uh, Patreon. Go follow those guys and sign up there. It's just been a little frustrating because... Um, uh, I, I, again, I love uh, I love the guys, man, and it's a great opportunity, all that. But uh, it's just been kind of frustrating. I don't think they really posted too much as far as like outside like Facebook or their chats. Like, uh, um, you know, not, they're not the most active guys on the social media. And if you notice the accounts, whether it was Instagram, which I, I, I fell a bit, bit behind on uh, this year, and uh, Twitter, which I always stay up on, uh, that was your boy here running those accounts. So. Um, I haven't seen anything really shared too much, and I'm still getting hit with a lot of those questions now. In my defense, a lot of those people aren't aren't reading things because I've I've been pretty good about posting and keeping it at the top post or pin post for a temporary time as far as addressing this. Uh, but just in case you didn't get the memo, yeah, uh, the, the show's going to push forward. Um, they're kind of restructuring around. Uh, they got Richard Hunter uh, doing the duties that I kind of was doing there, and um, he's helping them with the uh, Patreon. Uh, and that's all I can really tell you guys. Um, and like, I, again, none of this is coming off of, uh, you know, I hope it's not coming off the wrong way. I, I love all those guys and whatnot. I just, um, I say this, like, I, I just, it, it's just hard because I've been, you know, for, for the last couple of weeks now, I've been just getting bombarded with questions. And it, it's, it's frustrating, not just because of, you know, other people's styles of communication, but also because... Folks, I, I'm not trying to throw anybody in the bus here, but I do got to say, like, and it's, it's, it's I, it, I should be, I'm, I'm the, you know, one of the quote unquote new guys. Uh, so it's not a complaint, but just so people know, like, I am the last to, to know about everything. And a lot of times I don't even know about a lot of things. I didn't, a lot of things I didn't know about till I, you know, you know, it, till I found, you know, showed up and I, you know, saw, like, I find a lot of the same time, same time as you guys. I see a post in a chat or something and picture, like, I, that's how I found out a lot of this stuff, guys. So, 
I, I, again, I hope it's not coming off like I'm, I'm trying to throw my colleagues and, and, and former co-hosts under the or anything like that. It's not, not the issue here. I just want to address that that so I stop looking like a flake because I'm constantly like either not getting back to people or giving them a kind of juggly answers, and that's not me. Uh, and, you know, I just, just want to let you all know I'm not, not trying to, uh, you know, kind of put me in a spot. So just wanted to let, let you all know that all is good. Their, their show is still going on. I encourage you to follow and support them, uh, you know, through their Patreon and all that. Again, look at me giving plugs to other shows uh, <laughs> like I always do. I'm a really bad businessman like that. And uh, and then as I could continue to say, my show will still will still continue on as well. Um, for free again, pointing out how bad of a businessman I am. I'm not charging anything for this and I drive myself nuts trying to prep for this. Even on weeks like this where I kind of fell into like a 48 hour pit of like, <laughs> couldn't get out of my bed depression, but tying it off with a positive, all those kind of queries, uh, thank all, all of y'all seriously. Like your guys' nice messages, whether it was like about the show uh, how much you're going to miss it on Sirius to like ones to me, just like birthday wishes or just nice things like to me, whether you're a listener, uh, whether you're a listener of the show or you're someone like, uh, you know, oh man, like even like Big John, one of the one of the few people I actually like really hold in a high esteem and look up to um, like him tweeting out, you know, his kind words to me like that was just huge. Um, and, and again, so I wouldn't have a chance to meet these guys like Big John or these listeners if it wasn't for MMA Junkie Radio. So believe me, don't take any of that, uh, don't take any of that, my spiel or what you might see on the outside, like anything bad. Um, you know, it wasn't anything on my end, you know, or anything like that. I love those guys. So, um, I'm grateful. Uh, and more importantly, <laughs> even though in a weird week like this, uh, man, I am so grateful for all you guys. I don't know why you're listening to me rant this much. I'm going to wrap it up here, guys. But that essentially was just the tie in for thank yous, birthday, what's going on with the show, where I'm kind of at right now. But don't worry, guys. I picked myself back up. I got a nice cup of coffee. I'm going to get a workout in. I'm going to get back in the fucking gym, get some jujitsu tomorrow before UFC Uruguay goes down. And uh, and it's going to be good times, guys. We're going to be doing more post fights. Uh, so I'm actually going to be able to talk more and get, expand on these more rather than blow through the recaps like I'm about to do for you right now. So again, just thank you guys so fucking much. And like your, I'll just say your, your, your nice words and wishes like go farther, uh, go farther uh, than you realize, especially on the uh, Zedaka days, my, my friends. All right. Now that we painfully pushed through that, UC Newark recap very briefly, guys. Um, Colby Covington defeated Robert Lee Lawler by unanimous decision. I predicted that, predicted it by decision. Wasn't a surprise. Um, I know a lot of people were surprised, like, oh, it's like the most defensive we've seen Lawler and this and that, and yada, yada, yada. Like, uh, yeah, I could see, like, definitely leaning more toward that barometer more than most, but. I think Covington just made him start at a negative. I mean, Robbie Lawler usually doesn't start taking rounds off till round two. It's a normal Lawler off round two. And he was already taking parts off of the first round. So for me, it wasn't, again, it wasn't that much of a surprise prior to even in the real time and talking to you about it post now. And um, I know, you know, a lot of people are talking about Colby Covington and, and some people are begrudgingly giving him credit finally, whereas others that were, you know, uh, kind of already on the board with, you know, and, and could look at him in a, I guess, you know, a healthy perspective. I'm not saying anything he does is healthy. I'm saying how we in the media have to deal with these characters that come across our desk. 
And, uh, you know, guys like uh, my colleague, MMA Junkie John, you know, he's he, he's he's been on Covington uh, for a minute. But uh, so is your boy here. So, you know, it was it was uh, it wasn't surprising technique wise. What was surprising, though? Well, what was that post fight? And again, I'm not going to be like Mr. Offended and this and that. You know, Matt Hughes, not not the best guy either. Uh, but but yeah, I was like, holy crap. I guess Lawler didn't hear him because I was just worried. Like, oh, is Lawler going to like just kind of sideswipe him here? But uh, anyways, man. Um Covington Usman, yeah, it should be a lot more interesting now. Uh, I still favor Usman on paper. I still got to look into it, but uh, you know, I, I think I think you really got to look at some other things now after that performance. Uh, Jim Miller cashes. Let's see if my plays are on. I flip back to the page. Yeah, I had uh, Miller there, so that was nice. That was my bias pick, though. And then um, I wrote that Silva free money, and I didn't even play that, which we'll get to that one. Uh, Miller Guida, that was amazing. Great, great moment. Uh, Miller didn't retire, but I still don't regret doing the Jim Miller Appreciation Week, because why not? Uh, and <laughs> another uh, guy sleeping on him, guillotine finish there. Uh, Nasrat Hackbrass defeats Drakim Silva, second round TKO. Uh, pick Hackbrass, didn't see it by finish. That was that was really impressive. Uh, Mearshart defeated uh, Jay Giles. I'm not going to blow your guys' eardrums. I'm uh, really bummed that I didn't go with Mearshart, because I really love GM3. Um, but it just was, that was just like a, a fight that I just did not feel good. It was the hardest fight for me to pick of the card. And then sure enough, uh, Gianni, the Greek comes out playing Jay Giles. And I knew that I might as well just, I didn't play it. I it was on my stay away list, but I knew I might as well just crumpled up the pick proverbially there. Um, and I'll touch one more thing on Gianni, the Greek in the really brief Dana White contender series. And we'll be on to Uruguay. So hold tight guys. Scott Holtzman defeated Dong Young Ma. Uh, he really went full Negan on him, didn't he? Really went full Negan on Glenn from The Walking Dead there. Uh, second round TKO. Uh, Holtzman inside was uh, another thing uh, I think I might have sprinkled or was looking at uh, or even played. I can't remember. Uh, Kennedy Ninchaku defeated... Uh, <laughs> uh, Darko <laughs> Stasich. I'm going to say his name right. Uh, yeah, that was the, like, the biggest day away of the card. That was just ugly and crazy with uh, all the low blows. Um... By the way, a lot of, uh, we'll get to it here, Mickey Gall defeats Salim Tuhari, Anthony Shevchenko. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, good on Gall. Tuhari just, man, just, boy, like Polish fight, fighters, whether they're like mid, higher, or even lower, they tend to really fight. And Tuhari is like one of the only Polish dudes that just doesn't fight. It's weird. Right, Anthony Shevchenko defeats Lucy Pujalova, Lucia Pujalova. By submission, rear naked choke. I think, I don't know if it was Herb Dean was on two of these, but yeah, all like three technical submissions that night where people went to sleep. Like, I know Herb Dean was on two, and after the second one, I know he did like Guida and Clay where he checked three times. Like, and by that time, I'm just like, I'm starting to think Herb was uh, was David Carradine's spotter in, in Bangkok. You know what I'm saying? Like, something went wrong. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Checking David Carradine's wrist. David? David? Oh, dear. He just does that like Simpsons Family Guy thing where he puts his hands up and slowly steps backwards out of the hotel room and just runs really fast. <laughs> oh, David Carradine. David Carradine jokes, guys. That's what you can get here in the Protecting Neck Podcast. Autoerotic fixations gone wrong. That's what we talk about here. All right. Matt Schnell defeated Jordan Espinosa by triangle. I picked Espinosa, but that was just... Again, I feel bad because I, I like Matt Schnell and I picked against the guy I like. And sure enough, he won. Although, I will defend myself and say... If Matt Chanel's winning, it's going to be by opportunistic sub if Espinosa gets careless with him and, and, and uh, 
Looky what happened, Lauren Murphy. Damn, why are you saying her name like that? Still defeated Mara Romero Borel. Third round TKO. Great win for Lauren Murphy. How can I be happy for her? Claudio Silva. New, new level. <laughs> he is so excited, Claudio Silva. He is just like, uh, like, oh man, how do I say this right? Like, because I'm trying not to say the R word, you know, anymore. But, like, as far as, like, fighters on the spectrum go, <laughs> like, for example, and again, really good fighters who I love, like Jake Shields, like, like, like me and my buddy Brian at this theory, like, we think Jake Shields technically retarded, like, but he's functioning really well, because, like, you look at Jake Shields' walk to the octagon, he just always looks lost. Like, it looks like the guy behind him, Jake, Jake, that way. Jake, oh, okay, we, oh, right, well, where am I going? Like, he just looks lost. Remember the scuffle? Everyone thought, like, the scuffle was, was staged because, like, Jake Shields, like, flanks right and, like, totally misses a free shot and then kind of comes in late with the Connor Nate Diaz scuffle, right? But, like, no, that wasn't, like, staged. If you know, like, Jake Shields, he's so awkward. He just doesn't know where he's going half the time. Like, I think someone posted on, like, I don't know if it was, like, uh, Lord Honky Humongous or Kaposa posted that like old Strike Force promo where it shows all the champs like Jacare Suvaza, Bigfoot, they like Hendo, and they're all like walking down like doing the slow mo walk down this road with their belts, and then someone's like filming it from like uh, uh, just a steady camera off, you know, and with that unedited, you're just getting the raw like in real time, and just <laughs> Jake Shields looks so awkward, and someone captions it like, "All right, Jake, hand before feet, hand before feet." <laughs> Like Amanda Nunes, she's another fighter. She's on the spectrum too. Like, oh yes, I have you, I have you. She just starts like running around, like. <laughs> this is an awful joke because I'm again super group gay uncles, very just not very tolerant. Of, not not have to defend myself. It sounds terrible. It sounds like I'm probably like a closet like homophobe if I have to do that. But no, like, like Amanda Nunes, for example, like I don't know if Amanda Nunes knows she's gay. I would not be. I'm just saying. I'm just. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. Uh, Claudio Silva. Let's let's uh, steer the ship again. Uh, team on the spectrum. Really good fighter. Again, these are really good fighters, folks. Like really good fighters. I'm not trying to hate, but there's just part of me that's just like, I, I don't know. No, no, no. Just kidding. Claudio Silva actually uh, went through a lot of injuries and a lot of fighters. I believe like. Um, Colleague who's now at the Athletic, Fernando Pratis, uh, wrote actually a really excellent article on Claudia Silva. As I just Jesus Christ, uh, sorry Jake Shields and Amanda Nunes. I I, 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 actually, I, I love you both. Uh, Claudio Silva defeated Cole Williams by submission. Wow, we really got off track just reading that result. And Miranda Granger defeated and everything is goldy gold. And there's your recap for that Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. Um, you know, it was a fun show. The only thing I just wanted to say here, let's, as I look at my notes and pull up odds for Uruguay, when I put up my notes here, it was uh, Quiche Cheers and Gianni Creeping. Those are my notes, guys. So, Justin Quiche has been at, and you guys know uh, Justin Quiche. She's the girl who uh, had, a, had an epic fight there with Felice Herrick, and we'll just leave it at And she's the one, I, if I, you hear this breakdowns, uh, I can't, I not so, again, Jesus, I am really digging myself in a hole here with these really not so nice comparisons. Uh, I broke her down before, like, she looks like, because uh, she gets bloody and she just has this fucking, like, demented face as she fights. She just looks like the girl, she looks like, uh, she looks like Regan from The Exorcist, like, after she's possessed, like, Merrick. Hello, Merrick. 
<laughs> and she is, but she is having a goddamn like n- like nobody is having a better time than Justin Keish Dana White Contender Series. And like I've already heard her on replays. So like if you are go back to watch you tape grinders and you're you're watching these fights from this season and you hear just someone in the background go yeah whoa yeah you got him like really like kind of out of key like just out of out of nowhere just constantly like it's Justin Keish. And even better when you look at her, she's consi- like her ass is rarely on the chair. And no, guys, don't make a joke there. Her ass is rarely on the chair because she's always up. And, like, she's, like, one of those, like, you guys play Street Fighter. And, and, like, I always love the people in the background because they pretty much, especially those, like, old Nintendo graphics, it was, like, they just would do, like, one same cheering motion and they would do it over and over again. And she almost looks like one of those characters. Like, she's doing the fist in the air and, like, getting up and kind of, like, driving. And, like, it's, but she's, it's hilarious. And... (laughs) Gianni, he doesn't follow me, but I'm sure he follows everybody and probably sees all this talk about him. Uh, maybe he's even listening to this podcast. I don't know. But uh, he'll, like, come out for his bets. And, like, hey, credit to him. He actually acknowledged that he he actually acknowledged, I think, for the first time a losing bet on the broadcast uh, this last time out. And uh, so for the second bet, I forget what fight it was. He had a bet on he came out for. And that one might have even won. But, like, maybe it didn't. Uh, but, uh he didn't even come out to like a seat his seat for it that time. And instead, like he watched it from like it's hard to explain if you're not there. Like media, we're we have our own section. And I'm up on the back where the desks are, the computers. Um and so I take my notes and get like a head start on my article there. And behind us is like a clear plexiglass wall. So you can actually see between us and see the uh octagon. And Gianni was just like creeping back there for like the last two fights, like just sweating his bets, and he had like his uh, he had his big like uh, iPad with the notebook for the buy orders out, and he's just looking at him, and uh, and it was just really creepy because I'm like I'm on my phone and like and I just literally I turn over like to my shoulder and and he's literally right there because, uh, and like just just kind of like peering over the glass like probably could even see on my phone if he wanted to like he's just like kind of just sitting there and like he didn't really make eye contact with me but I could just feel him I'm like oh, this is weird. So this guy's creeping. Anyways, Johnny the Greek, Fade the Greek. I know. We'll get to that here. And that is it. How did we do in that recap? Am I belabored, stupid talking? 22 minutes, not too bad. All right. UFC Uruguay. UFC Fight Night 156. UFC on ESPN Plus 14. UFC Fight Night. Shevchenko Karmouche. Two. Do we have enough names yet? I don't know. Valentina Shevchenko minus 1100. Liz Carmen was plus 700. Uh, breakdown for this fight in depth is up on MMA Junkie. Um, yeah, I uh, I got Shevchenko here. Surprise, surprise. Uh, you know, been a big Shevchenko fan since, since seeing her come aboard. Uh, don't think I picked against her since. Uh, not picking against her here, but I, you know, I have called for Liz Carmouche to be the, the, the dark horse in this division, a deceptively tough fight. Uh, but it's going to be won and lost for her in the clinch. I think we're going to get the answers we need in that that first clinch and grappling stanza. Um, Carmouche's sub-defense has gotten better since she's been subbed out, which was only in title fights to Ronda Rousey. And, of course, my favorite, one of my favorite female fights, Marlos Kunin back in strike force. And training with Alimale McFarlane, I don't know about the underwater training, but training against that high guard and Alimale's submission defense, gonna, it's going to bode well for Carmouche. That said, if she gets hit, boy, it's going to be tough. And then it's tough to see her, you know, get hit with the head kick against Chukagian and almost put out of there by a Chukagian head kick. 
And then after seeing Shevchenko's last head kick, boy, it's not hard to do that math. And I think it's going to be done inside the distance. Unlike uh, our boy, the Greek here, who's just, I don't think he's really breaking these things down. He just kind of barely glances at the record, looks at the numbers, and goes off of formulas that may be passable in other sports, but you can't do that in here in MMA. you got to know what the fuck you're looking at, and you have to do the work. There is no shortcut on it. Um, I preach that. I stand by that. And although I can't stand by as proudly, uh, I will be putting back to more work as I, as I normally did. And I'm always honest with you guys when I do or don't. And that's the important thing. I being said, I did the work on this one, and I do think it gets done inside the distance. Um, I don't know if it's a knockout, but I do think she hurts Carmouche enough to get her grapple going and then submits her or TKOs her. Uh, either way, I see the finish ending up on the floor for Shevchenko. The overs and unders are split right now. Over just finally tipped the plus money if you're looking for plus money anywhere. Uh, if you want to take money on an over, take money there. Don't take money on plus goes the decision. Um, but that being said, I actually see it getting done earlier in three and a half of guns in my head, but I, I don't play overs or unders much, so take that for what you will, guys. You guys know this. Vincente Luque, minus 230, Mike Perry, plus 190. I wanted to come in here and telling you like how Luque, this, you know, he's the better fighter. He's on a roll. It's criminal. I love him like you guys, but this fight is more dangerous than the mood and even the betting line indicates. And I, I still will say that. Because Mike Perry will surprise us. He'll show up when you don't think so. But I think that the formula a lot of us are starting to pick up on. Um, and I say that because I know I'm not the only one with this opinion that that Jackson Wink thing wasn't wasn't great for him. You know, I was talking this on, on Coffee Talk with Julian. And he, he seems to be fighting better at that fusion gym. Uh, he's going to have Adolfo Vieira in this camp with him. As well as Jacare Souza. So the grappling, I think he'll be checked. He keeps good posture in the clinch anyways. I was even watching his... Fight against uh, Cowboy Alex Oliveira, who's got a really good clinch game, although he's not a front headlock or submission guy, per se. And Mike Perry was able to out keep his posture and not let um, Cowboy Oliveira break his posture down. And, of course, Platinum Perry hitting his patented strikes off of the break, rocking Oliveira like he's knocked out and rocked so many before. That's where this fight's going to get sketchy. If Luque looks to go take him down, doesn't get it, or closes or allows Perry to close him into the clinch, uh, at distance striking, I give the advantage to Luke, even at boxing range. Uh, I think he's, you know, that, that check hook is going to be, if Perry tries to hook with him into that, you know, and dips, but then again, you know, it's still playing with, with fire hooking and, and swinging with Perry. Um, so it is, he is livelier than it is. So I do stand by that, but by, by the same time, I'm, 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 I may be hypocritical here, perhaps, and this is an, an admission here, guys. Perhaps because it's a card full of no names, and even if you do do the research, okay, maybe these are funner matchups than my than the enthusiasm on paper allows for. But with it being more fun matchups, it also means okay, that might just means more sketchier bets here with unknown guys, more action style matchups ahead, uh, and maybe it's it's kind of funneling and bottlenecking us degenerates or you know sharps if you want to dignify yourself as such. I, I don't dignify myself. I'm more of a degenerate when it comes to gambling. Uh, the analysis is more something that I put more more stock in. But yeah, maybe that is what's funneling us to these bigger names and these juicier spots here, right? Uh, so it could be that, folks. It could be that. Even if it cashes, it still could be that. So I'm admitting that, but by the same token, I'm actually going to be playing Luke here. I put him in a fun parlay. I parlayed him with another gentleman who I just mentioned and we'll get down to later. And I also play Luke inside the distance because you get plus plus money. Plus 115. I put 0.75 units. Um, 
to help hedge some chalk props that I took. I know, chalk props, you know. It's, I, I said, I just admitted that I'm degen, guys. All right, relax, relax. We'll get to those as they come. Oh, one of them, I just I should have uh, passed up Shevchenko inside the distance minus 130. I put 1.5 U on that because, again, I, I just think it's going to happen. Um, so, And then a Luke inside the distance at plus money, 0.75. Has that chalk, got another dog and another chalk prop coming your way that are kind of similarly structured, the same thing to cover my tracks. You know me. I'm a degenerate who bets like and with the amounts like a, like a 10-year-old with an allowance. Actually, not too far off. Um, so take that for what you will. But I do play what I say, and I'm always honest about it. And it's free. Shit, where are you gonna get that from? Actually, there are there are places, and I give them shouts too. But you know what I'm saying. All right. Um, and by the way, if those other places and other breakdowns are like all going against some of my stuff here, there's probably a reason for it because um, I had a trouble getting through the prelims. Although then when I finally got into it, I was like, ooh, and then. I spent late last night and early this morning cracking away at it because, again, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, and, I yeah, I don't know what the other people are saying because the, a couple podcasts I do listen to, I, I can never listen to anything or read any articles until, uh, or fight-related at least, until my articles and podcast is out because then it messes with the filter, my friends. It messes with the filter. But I will say, again, if, if any of the other sources, credible sources that you listen to are ones I've cited here in this podcast, um, probably listen to them this week. <laughs> Again, guys, I'm honest. Hey, for what it's worth, I'm honest. All right. Um, this line looks like it's flipping in the right direction, unfortunately. Uh, for me, I guess. Luis Eduardo Garagori, minus 120. Uh, he's your local flavor, although he is born from somewhere else. I believe he's Peruvian or somewhere. Argentina, because he's got the Italian. I love that. Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, Colombia, Brazil. <laughs> you like that little, little little inflections there? That's why you guys come to the podcast. That and the inappropriate jokes, let's be honest. All right, yeah, no one comes for those. In fact, you could stop with those. All right, I'm trying. I'm trying. All right, uh, it was Humberto Bandanay, who is neck and neck with Jesus Pinedo for like, maybe not just worst fighter in the day, like worst fighter in the UFC. <laughs> I've been so cruel to fight Jesus fucking Pinedo and uh, Humberto Bandana. I've been so cruel to these guys. Uh, but Bandana comes in plus 100. Uh, but I like what Gregory offers because, again, it's not a, a thing against you know, South Americans or, or any of these. Like, there are good fighters from these countries. Kind of like I was talking to Julian Marquez. He was even saying, he's like, you'd be surprised. Like, lighter weight, older guys giving giving him runs, you know. Especially in certain things like striking and, and whatnot. And that's what Luis Eduardo came up doing. I think he's got like black belt in taekwondo boxing kickboxing and muay thai because they rank those down there like that um and again like i said with julian does that mean he's a k1 striker no but it means that's what he's been doing and the tape matches i really like what what shows uh he actually looks like what he's doing against the cage keeps calm and composed when he is taken down garagori he is a he he he's, he seems calm and composed. We'll throw up a triangle. If he misses, he'll use that to scramble back to his feet. Uh, Bandane looks like he's trying to like uh, really kind of. I forget where he's training for this. One. I should have looked at. It. I had studied this like earlier in the week and now I've forgotten. Um, I think he's actually at a camp for this one, possibly, or maybe he's he's still in South America. Either way, like I just didn't like what I saw. I even tried to fight more. I think against Austin Arnett, tried to fight more like. <clears throat> just look lost in there. Like he has no process. He has a couple tricks. He just spams that left kick. He's got a couple spamming submissions that he goes for on the ground, but like he doesn't have the wrestling or the striking process. So 
he, those tricks fail and he's just stuck out there looking awkward, just reaching for straws. Um, and against a guy who just does things better, comes from a similar school, but just does, is, looks cleaner, even looks more athletic. Um, yeah, I mean, like, this is, this should be a stay away because of their levels, but I'm going to pick the newcomer and I may even just, I may even play him at plus 155 inside the distance or play him at minus 120 just straight up to win just because like, man, I try to be super respectful and yeah, yeah, says, 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 says the guy who makes like team spectrum fighters. <laughs> Uh, at least I admit my hypocrisy too, folks. Um, but uh, Bondane is just one of the fucking worst fighters. Fucking awful. Uh, I almost just want to fade him because of that. But the pick is definitely Gagori, even minus the fade, just from what I see on tape. Um, all right. Volkan Ozdemir, minus 160. Ilir Latifi, plus 140. Uh, this fight, I've broken it down before. It's the third time they made it. And I don't feel any better each time. Like... If anything, the pathway shows, oh, Latifi's going to hit him with, uh, with the body shot. Because Ozdemir, you know, he hits those and Ozdemir looks weak. But then it's like, Ozdemir, I mean, Latifi's, you know, look like he's been hurt by body shots too. Uh, and, you know, so it's just weird, you know, like, oh, but then I thought he was going to get hit by body shots against a guy like St. Prue. And then, nope, he ends up rocking St. Prue and choking him out. But it's just, I don't know, man. Latifi, unless he's fighting a guy like Tyson Pedro, who I, in that case I did pick him to, to win by decision. And in that fight, he actually did show some of his veteran savvy and control. But even then, it's still not the best control. He's not like a, a, a really smooth and consistent positional rider. Like he's, he's an opportunistic guy. Like he'll muscle the takedown, but there's not a lot of process where he's going to secure the round or secure a submission afterwards. It's usually going to end up in a scramble because he's going to try to like gorilla him or uh, catch his breath and then lose position. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be able to get off on a guy like Ozdemir who, yeah, like Kelly Anderson gave him the veteran lesson and that matchup will always be bad. Uh, hence like against Daniel Cormier, but that was Daniel Cormier. And, you know, even though he hasn't been training as much stateside lately, um, Ozdemir put a lot of wrestling work in, in the past few years and shows it, you know, he does the turtling the right way where he fights the hands, breaks the grip, gets to the cage, hits the, gets the overhook to protect the back take, keeping the other hand on a wrist control, turning into his opponent. You know, he's checking off the boxes there. Uh, and I hate to pick a fighter like, oh, he's lost three in a row. Um, and, uh, you know, I did score that last fight for him initially, but if you look, there was a lot of body work by Reyes there. So, like, and I like body work being scored. It's not scored enough, so I'd be a hypocrite to get too upset over that decision and but i can't pick a guy to win because just because he lost three in a row mma is not fair like that but same time i like ozmir here i like where his head's at uh listen to the interview with him and he just sounds really confident and i like the confidence where he's at whereas latifi you know the last one was a pullout from injury he's the pull out quietly from injuries before he always looks like he's felt so you don't really think of him that way but you know he's, he's a good like eight years older than he's th you know not that that's old for light heavyweight but he's like 34 35 about eight years or so older than Ozdemir, seven years off the top of my head. I'm not looking, guys. Forgive me. But, and not that he's going to, like, the bottom's going to drop off from, that's why I'm picking against him here. But, but again, you, you look at these things, uh, and, and you got to ask those questions, you know. Uh, he's talking about going to heavyweight after this, when he's not wanting to cut weight. Is it because of injuries? Is it because of lackadaisical laziness? Is it because of burnt out? Is it a little column A, column B? I don't know. I like where Ozdemir's at, and I like Ozdemir's pace, even though he doesn't have the best gas tank either. I think it's better than Latifi's. So if Ozdemir gets out of this first round, um, and not that Ozdemir can't finish Latifi in the first round. Like that could happen too. But if he gets out of this first round, I see his pace taking over, so I'll go Ozdemir by decision. 
I'm staying away from that fight. That's not on my stay away list, but I just I don't feel comfortable out playing the fight. If you like an angle on there, go for it. Um, all right, Adolfo Vieira minus two fifty five versus Oscar Piotta Piotta Piotta. Uh, I don't know why I made him sound like the little thing from Java's Lair, but Oscar Piotta Poland's Piotta. Um, he was recently training with someone else. I think like he fought on the last card. Uh, probably was Polish. Uh, oh, yeah, fucking Salim Tohari. So, you know, he was getting a lot of just staring contests, you know, getting ready for this fight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think Salim. Um, no, I like Piotta, man, and, and he did me well when he first came in. But, you know, then, you know, his, you know, granted, it was a, a Mearshart type fight where it was really high pace. And uh, in hindsight, maybe that's just the type to beat him, you know. You got to be able to survive the be as good or better grappler and you don't want to give Piotr a chance to land, land a spin kick right hand or, or left hook because he's deceptively strong you know again Julian was talking about warming up with a guy in the back and just like he just super flexible and athletic deceptively so uh, but his takedown defense has never been a strong point probably because he's such, such an active and, and, and enthusiastic scrambler and submission pursuer He's got some really good back takes uh, and, and whatnot, but you know you can cancel all that against Adolfo Vieira. Um, you know like, Vieira's beaten like heavyweights like Antonio Carlos Jr. by points, guys, for example, um, in jiu-jitsu. Like if you go, you go back and look at his hit list, it's pretty impressive. Um, but it's his no gi work. To be honest, that's what kind of sells me. His style translates very well. Um, he, you know, he's just very kind of almost like Habib-like with his jiu-jitsu when he gets you against the cage. He'll lace up the legs, kind of like, you know, Navy ride variations, strong uh, strong underhooks, uh, lower to the back and body, kind of like Damian Maya sitting up on the half guard, like threatening to take your back but still pinning you in a, in a, you know, in a takedown, a persuasive hold there. Um, just really like his style. It's really good jiu-jitsu-wise if this was a straight jiu-jitsu match and really good MMA-wise as well. Uh, I, I like the route here for Vieta. Um, his striking not that great. He's not the biggest middleweight, but again, he's not going against the biggest middleweight as against Piotta. But uh, so I like Vieta here. I think he's going to route. I think he's going to do it by submission. There's a chance he could do it by TKO. Um, but I took it by sub minus one thirty. If I'm taking Shevchenko to get it inside the distance. Uh, and and submit Carmouche. Not that that's a really bad comparison, but I just have it written up here again for the chalk plays at another minus one thirty. Then I'm like, how can I not take Vieta by sub even though it's chalk? Because that's where I see this fight going. So one point five units on that as well for the minus one thirty, and I'll have another plus prop to kind of balance that out coming later down the card here. Uh, all right, yeah, Enrique Barzola, Peru minus one twenty five versus Bobby Bobby Wolf, my Moffat. Plus 105. If any fighter probably come out to Werewolves of London, which isn't, like, granted a screaming make me an MMA walkout song. Um, I do love that song, though. And I feel like Bobby Wolfman Moffat because, you know, he's got the Wolfman thing. And, of course, my favorite my favorite line of that song, Werewolves of London, is he says, uh, Saw a werewolf sipping a pina colada. And his hair was perfect. <laughs> I love that line. Doesn't sound good without me singing, of course, and without the piano in the background. But uh, but uh, Wolfman Moffat looks like he listens to some rockabilly and will slick his hair back. Um, I, although I like his swag, I'm picking Enrique Barzola here. Uh, we're actually training an AKA for this camp. Uh, I know he's been training the last couple, few, 
years or so uh, cross-training an American top team. Now at AKA, I don't know if that's better or worse. Maybe better for the kickboxing and takedown defense. Hope, you know, last fight you could criticize him against Kevin Aguilar for not going for the takedowns enough. That's I think that's why I picked him there. Although, you know, I believe that was a close fight. I don't believe it was heavy on it. Or I didn't even play him, but like I don't believe I was confident on it, I should say. Um, you know, not a terrible loss. Kevin Aguilar is a good fighter. Um, but this fight, I wouldn't hail the same expectations or criticisms if he doesn't, because he would probably want to keep this one on the ground. Because uh, not just Moffat, you know, I don't know how much he's going to get on him, Moffat being a wrestler, but also Moffat's good at submissions. He's really good off that front headlock. So I don't know how much uh, Enrique Barzola is going to be want to shoot and give that to him. So this is going to be more of an IQ test for Barzola. I think he's the better, more active kickboxer. You can give those really awkward looks, hopping on the outside. Uh, and just more variety, maybe hit some leg kicks on, on, on Moffat, uh, who can be a bit more boxing-centric at times. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take Barzola, but I'm not confident. This isn't on the avoids list. But this is one I'm not playing because I'm not super confident in it. I'm gonna pause real quick. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Couldn't couldn't hold too much coffee this morning. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, prelims now. Alexei Konchenko minus one thirty. Gilbert Burns plus one ten. I don't know why this and other fights aren't on the main card. It's like it's, maybe they're just you know feeling as burnt out as some of us are and it's like eh, fuck card structure anymore who needs it let's let's open cards with fucking middleweights and light heavyweights or open main cards with middleweights and light heavyweights and just put you know virtually vacant unknown co main events these days all right whatever um yeah I, I I think the line's about right i i just i this is another one it's not on my avoids list because if you see an angle on here on either side they're both playable uh i'm going with Konchenko. i like his takedown defense i think his conservativeness doesn't doesn't hurt him here um i think if he can show he can defend burns's takedown attempts and scramble attempts i think he pulls away but i'm not as confident in burns gassing as he normally does because he's moving up to welterweight which is overdue he's one of the bigger lightweights Excuse me, always had uh, sketchy weight cuts or, you know, looks like he was coming down from a ridiculously heavy weight. You know, does that help his cardio or does carrying that weight and going against a guy, even though Konchenko is not, not a big welterweight, he's going to be taller than him, in fact. Uh, Konchenko looks bigger than he is on paper. He's wide, he's thickly muscled, and with his age, I wouldn't recommend him going to 155. I think he'd just be better off uh, at welterweight. So... Yeah, I see this being a, a decision loss for Burns. Maybe pick, you know, but you know, Burns is underrated wrestling and just lights out jujitsu. So, you know, can he make it ugly and get his back? Can he finish him? Can he steal around? But then you see guys like Mike Davis, although eventually submitted, he was able to survive and get back to his feet. Tripod. Granted, he was smart with the way Mike Davis had his that that wrist control to stand. That's what you got to do. Uh, if you're going to stand in turtle, even if you have the cage uh, against a guy like Gilbert Burns. But uh, Kinchenko looks like he, he's well-trained in those aspects, albeit, you know, striking is his, his, his main forte there. Um, and he's got some judo as well. I believe he's like uh, one, one credit short of a master of sports for judo or something. So uh, th there's a reason why he's got a strong base there. Uh, so I'm going to take Kinchenko by decision, but yeah. Not on my avoid list, but I just don't feel comfortable taking an angle there. Uh, we'll see. All right, uh, Cyril Gane, minus 400, Rafael Pessoa. 
is ridiculous. Uh, I just really glanced over this fight, guys. Uh, Ghani looks like the more athletic fighter, so I suppose that's why. Um, over uh, Pessoa, who doesn't really have any accolades listed here on my bio sheet, and uh, you look at him, yeah, he just looks like just like a <laughs> a big, somewhat athletic Brazilian, and he's like you know pushing to the clench, and, and I get why. I mean, he's six four. He's big, you know, he'd get directed to fighting and being in Brazil and uh, directed to the clinch in his fights. He doesn't have to lift the knee too high there to get going, but uh, I think Gane, with his movement and the way he moves, I think he's going to be able to dictate pace, but see anything over a two-to-one spread, I write it on my breakdowns all the time, guys. Anything over a two-to-one spread at heavyweight should make you raise an eyebrow. That's why it's on my avoid list. These are two unproven guys. I'll take Gane. All right, Tisha Torres, minus 155, Marino Rodriguez. Come back on her, plus 135. A uh, big Torres fan, I think, you know, people are down on her because she's got a bunch of uh, losses in a row now, I believe, uh, as I pull it up. But, you know, you look at who those losses were, too, and you forget that Tisha Torres was a money machine. I mean, she's faced, uh, you know, she's been minus 300, and you could bank on her for a reason. She's been facing tall fighters for the most part of her career, so I don't know if that's really an issue here, too, you know. From Juliana Lima to more talented ones like Rose Namajunas, you could argue that she's two up on. I know she split one and one, um, but I felt like that should have been a split. Really, was that a unanimous decision? Because I felt like you could have made an argument for her. Um, and not that it was that uh, like a terrible decision by any means, but I'm just saying, you know, for what that's worth. Um, Angela Hill, Fleece Harrigs. Yeah, I don't know if the the, the five seven uh, Marina Rodriguez. Uh, how much that's going to be. It'll be doable, and I think she's going to be able to take her down. Torres always had underrated wrestling. It, it kind of went away, and that kind of makes sense when you look back at it in hindsight is when she was going over to Triple Threat over there and training with Raquel Pennington at Denver. And she put a positive spin on it, was able to get her first finish in a while when she was over there, but even she admitted it was like it wasn't enough. She had to go back to American Top Team. She went back there last time. Obviously, it wasn't enough. She went against Wei Zhang, so, I mean, you know. Zang. Uh, I mean, who can blame her there? But I really think she gets back on track here. She's been an American top team grinding away. Um, and, yeah, I don't think Rodriguez's striking is going to be that much of a problem. She is a, again, as I pull up the bio sheet, is it a dark blue with a, read this. Let me read this right before I fucking take it in a God knows what direction, which I probably will anyways, because it's the inappropriate hour podcast uh her brazilian rank is what is this here uh i have a dark blue black tip and white tie <laughs> uh you know where i'm gonna take that <laughs> dark dark blue black tip sounds like someone's been going to work that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> All right, Dan. All right, Dan. Fucking stay on target. Stay on target. I probably already crashed the ship a while ago with my fucking Team Spectrum talk. Jesus Christ. All right. Next fight. Oh, no, not next fight. Um, Yeah, I'm going to take Taurus here. I think she gets it done. Um, I actually played her straight up. It's my only straight play. Minus 155. It seems kind of risky. Like, I actually don't think the line's that, that off. She should be favored, and it shouldn't be by a ridiculous amount. But... I think it could be one of those fights in hindsight where, like, why don't we just play that? It's one of the more reliable, known products, which she is. But not only that, just matchup-wise. So I'm actually taking a, a 1.5-unit shot on the minus 155 um, on Tisha Torres. Uh, I may even throw in a fun parlay. Uh, it's not a part of the parlay that I will uh, tell you that I'm playing here, uh, which I rarely do. But, you know, again, I'm honest when I do. 
Oh wait, I already passed it. It was uh, Adolfo Vieira. Adolfo Vieira and Luque. I just I just put them together at plus one hundred five. I think you can get for them. I just threw a unit on that. Um, so yeah, meet us all. And the rest is pretty much just the void list coming up here. Yeah, Julian Paiva minus one hundred five for Jerry Abunterin. God damn it! I had such a, I couldn't find the Kaikara France fight, uh, and I did was too lazy. My old um, IP hider thing doesn't work, and I'm just so fucking jaded trying to get through these fights, having to download illegal shit just to do my tape study. Because God forbid you try to you know, doesn't come up on ESPN Plus. Can't type in prelims UFC two thirty. The search the search is so fucking retarded. I know, I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to use that word, but it's appropriate when talking about the search bar for ESPN+. Then you got goddamn Fight Pass, which I already got to fight with the browser, because for whatever reason, it, it works less well on my Google Chrome than it does Safari, for whatever reason. So I do all my normal stuff on Google Chrome, and then I keep my Fight Pass over on Safari. So in any time, like, I don't touch it for a minute, and I go to search, it's going to do the thing where it's going to fucking redirect me, and I got to hit some pop-ups out of the way, and then retype in the search and then I'm like oh great it's not here but it's on the event or I'll go to the event and play certain things on the event but not certain prelims certain TV deals black down your area <laughs> MMA core MMA core.tv and now some of these they have but they're blacked out and unfortunately that was one of the ones that was blacked out and I use Google Pass more than fucking ESPN Plus or Flight Pass I use the free anybody can use service called Google over both paid services because that's where we are. Sorry, folks. It's just, I know, first world problems. I'm not trying to complain, but god damn. I'm saying that for the fellow grinders who look up tape because you guys know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. And it's a real pain in the ass. And I remember trying having to rush through both these guys' last fights. I knew they were talented, but I think I only saw their contender series fights. I didn't really get to get into too much. Like, even like DeFreitas, I couldn't find like his Shuto Brazil fights. Again, this, these, I, I want to find these fights, these. Lower weight class, especially these flyweights, but nope. We fucking cut all the flyweights, whether we're cutting them or not, we're burying them on the fucking prelims. And now since we cut off, cut out like all the mid to low tier flyweights, it's all just like good flyweights. So we're seeing guys we like go against each other. Like I like both of these guys. I'm really excited, especially a Bonter. And if I'm you know parlaying my hand here with my pick is, I I really could see him being one of my favorites. Again, he's kind of got that Pantoja feel. Um, with the pressure and the scrambling and the jiu-jitsu and the sick back control. Like, I want to follow these guys, but between just trying to, you know, uh, people like me, who it's like it's, it's our job to, you know, watch these fights, have a hard time watching these fights from time because you're drowning us with this goddamn schedule to, like, not making it accessible. Like, it's just so fucking tough. And then when these fights do happen, they'll be, again, buried in the prelims. So if you're, like... Even hardcores like myself, who who would it, it's our job. I'm a hardcore. Even us, we're having to like find fights where like you know it's like oh damn they're fucking playing this card already every set. I got I've got shit to do. I'm an adult. I've got duties, and sometimes you got to sacrifice a card and go get some things done before you sit down and hunker down uh, for these fights. And you end up missing these. And a lot of the times, it's, it's fights in the prelims. I try to time it for a fight that you know more like a you know Pollyanna Viana Veronica Macedo type fight to miss. Let's just say. Uh, but sometimes you end up missing like really good fights like that. It's just really fucking frustrating, man. And like I said before, last point in this rant, we're cutting guys like the Ulka Sasaki's of the world. And it sucks because like a lot of these times we're just not, we're seeing good guys knock each other off. We're seeing guys we like have to fight each other. And more importantly, because they're all so good and they're flyweights, it ends up being these scramble sweat fests to where it's like, it's going to be a tough fight. 
we don't even know a winner. And even if it's the one where we're pretty sure we know it's like a 29-28, it might as well be a split with the way these judges because they don't understand grappling. And then you're throwing at them high-level grappling scrambles. Like, so then you're getting these lines that are like this as well, uh, that are minus 105, minus 150. And they should be. They should be that tight because it's a pick em fucking flyweight sweat. So from a betting perspective, even if you care less about the flyweight division, it's hard to invest. Like, oh, great. What am I going to invest in? Another fucking flyweight fight that goes to the fucking decision and it's a scramble fest. And it's going to be more of a scramble fest and go more to decision when you cut all the fucking mid to low tier guys. And now we just have good guys going against each other. Like, that's why you have the Oka Sasaki's in the division. So guys like even the guys like the Wilson Hayes and Formigas of the world can get their fucking finishes in, can build their fucking, you know, can get on the highlights, can get their bonuses, can maybe start justifying spots on the main card. That's why you need a fucking healthy, healthier matchups, man. A healthier fucking pool. And I'm tired of bearing these fucking flyweights. And oh, here you're really good. You're really good. Go fucking derail each other. Shoot your career in the fucking. Anyways, I'm pissed. Taking Bonferin here. Um, I just was more impressed with his his not just on paper. Going back to watch, was really impressed with Bibiolatov. I know Bibiolatov can be considered a bust, especially for people like me who were like pumping his chest as maybe the guy to challenge DJ when he first came in. But then obviously he's fallen far from that. That being said, Bibiolatov's still a really talented fucking fighter. Like, and there's some creative shit. Like, this one thing he did, I, I, I missed it the first time, but they're in a little clench war, and Bontarine does that like kind of Muay Thai thing where you step, I forget, like they call it like a pigtail. I've heard they like, reference different things, but you step back and you use that weight to whip them into a knee. Like, you step back with your right foot to draw them to that side, and you immediately bring that right foot draw back into a chambered knee to meet them. And uh, uh, Bontarine goes to do that, and, and like kind of whips them toward the fence because they're close to the fence at that point. And Bibalotov like just follows the momentum and almost flicks out a wheel kick behind him. Obviously not aimed at Bontarine. He's, he's head right behind him because he knows that wheel kick's going to hit the hit the fence, and that fence has enough give to counter what Paiva just did and send the momentum back in his direction. It's so fucking sick. I think it goes down like in the second or third round. Um, but I was really impressed with Bontarine in that fight. So I'm going to take Bontarine here if it does end up being a scramble fest. Uh, I just think he's a better back taker. He's a better grappler. He's a black belt to Paiva's purple, although Paiva seems like well above a purple belt. He's like a brown belt operator. He's also got a long frame. The problem is, I, I don't know if he uses that frame well enough. Like, he made the adjustments in his Dana White Contender Series fight, and he listened to his corner, which is huge, and went to boxing. But even when he was going more toward boxing, it's not like he's using his reach, which he does have as, as, a, as a flyweight. He's a big flyweight, Paiva. Um, but it's not like he just sticks behind his jab, you know? Like, he, he's throwing primarily hooking shots out there. And Bontarine can, you know, throw hooking shots as well. The weird thing about both these guys, though, is that they seem to prefer to fight off the counter, and they certainly don't mind countering. But it could be frustrating in these close fights because both guys clearly do their best work when they're aggressive. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm taking Bontarine. Sweat fast. On the avoid list for that, also because I, I couldn't do my complete tape study. Uh... Next fight, uh, Geraldo De Freitas, minus 135. Chris Gutierrez, plus 115. Um, this is tough. Uh, I didn't go back to watch the De Freitas fight, although I recently rewatched that. And I tried to watch the pseudo fights. I couldn't watch those. Um, I feel like De Freitas should be the favorite here because, you know, the wrestling and jiu-jitsu edge. Uh, and also coming from the camp, they're fighting in South America. So essentially, it's going to be a round-winning performance. I think Gutierrez is going to really have to seriously hurt Defreitas consistently, or hurt him and get him out of there. Uh, Defreitas has yet to be stopped, but you know, 
Um, and he hasn't fought in terrible competition or anything like that. But, like, Gutierrez has fought the better competition. Um, you know, I know that team where Valiev win looks really good on paper. Uh, although, you know, you go back and watch the fight. It's, it's, it's problems that Gutierrez kind of has consistently kind of had. Um, but it's tough, man. I, I'm going to be rooting for Gutierrez here. I'm going to pick – this is on my avoids list. I'm going to pick Gutierrez for the upset. He's got Mark Montoya going down there, and he's going to have his jiu-jitsu coach. Uh, he's also got a fire under his ass, man. Listen to this interview with James Lynch and just that custody battle. It's heartbreaking, man. So uh, I think he goes out here and makes a statement. I think this is a Gutierrez spot where he upsets. He's only been stopped once, and that was to fucking a guy who's be- even better on the ground, and he's just a fucking monster. And Hayoni Barcelos at that weight, 135. So that's no shame. Um, I think Gutierrez... I think Gutierrez's experience gets gets him out of this. I'm gonna pick him to get an upset, uh, but uh, but man, I, I think he's really gonna have to hurt him a lot to really secure those scorecards um, in South America. It's not a confident pick at all. Defreitas should be favored, and he probably should win. But since this is on my avoids list and a fight that I admittedly did very light to little tape study on, guys, uh, I'm gonna go with my heart here because from fights that I didn't. Do tape study to did and went against it to my heart. Uh, it went wrong for me, and that's terrible analysis. It's terrible. It's not how I'm going to be go about things in the future. But in a spot where I'm drawn for straw here, guys, I will I will take the shot on the dog with not with very little to support what should be a supported favorite. All right, um, Alex De Silva minus two ninety, Rodrigo Vargas plus two forty five. I'm like, wow, really? But then I went looking at it, I'm like, oh yeah, I actually really like Alex De Silva. Uh, he fought on that Asper scene. Uh, South America, and I remember I, I liked him enough to pick him against uh, and play, not pick, and I think I even might have played him, not a lot, because you didn't have to play a lot, he was at really big dog odds against um uh, what do you call the fucking rapper, Alexander Yakovlev um, and, but now he gets another southpaw, a more southpaw to his size, I mean he's practically fighting a, fighting a welterweight with 6'3 Yakovlev in there, uh, southpaw size and Vargas uh, and I like the Silva, man. Uh, the purple belt, Luta Livre. He grapples really well and wrestles really well because Luta Livre is like essentially the South American, Mexican, Latin American uh, version of catch wrestling there. That's kind of what it equates to. Um, that's why both catch and, and Luta have uh, their ties with pro wrestling uh, as well within their regions. Very similar arts, very similar culturally, uh, cultural standings there in the grappling arts. Uh, really like... Uh, how, how De Silva grapples too, man. I think that's going to be the difference here is his wrestling, his athleticism. Uh, Rodrigo's re- a really well-rounded uh, guy, but really he's just more stacked on the feet. He's got good experience. He beat uh, Alex Caceres' brother, who is the lone loss to Kamara Usman, who rear naked choke Kamara Usman. He has a win over him. Also has a win over uh, Jordan Williams, who's contender series two-time vet there. Um, and he's coming off a knockout, I believe, and I have in front of me, uh, Mike Delator. Creepy looking dude who uh, I like Mike Delator, but he took a lot of damage and that chin seemed to have gone. It was already suspect and Connor already went before he left the UFC. So I don't know how much weight I want to put into that fight. But I think Alex De Silva gets it done and gets it done on the ground. In fact, that is the last plus prop uh, to balance things out. I think Alex De Silva ITD plus one hundred nine point another point seven five units to balance out those props there. Uh, May throw Silva in a parlay as well with Torres, but we'll see. But that is my pick for that one. Um, yeah. Uh, Pollyanna Viana, plus 115 underdog. Veronica Macedo, minus 135. This is on the avoid list all day. Um, I, I want to pick Macedo here. 
she's hot. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. You know, but it's just it's hard, man, because it's like even though Viana, I think it's, it's a little overrated. You know, all her stuff is in jujitsu, but then I, I think that Cypher's fight was a bad look. But at the same time, Stalling is a skill, folks, and and Cypher's wasn't giving her much. And I know the commentary was kind of lauding Viana for her activity off the back, but I really wasn't that impressed because she really couldn't get anything going. Um, and even though Stalling is a skill, so, and I'll be light on that, and at the same time. Where you start to forgive her for that is where you all start to critique her for then fight IQ. It's like, okay, fine, she's a good staller. Hannah Cyphers wasn't getting enough credit. Um, and maybe, you know, she, not that Vianna's not a good grappler, but yeah, maybe not as good, as impressive as those accolades could maybe read off of the paper, right? Still, it becomes a fight IQ problem because now you're staying active enough to where, like, you're not being stood up. And I want to say that fight was in a home court advantage area, so it's like, Dude, if she's going to fucking stall ridiculously, then you stop moving too, and then you get the stand-up, and at least you have a better fighting chance. And she didn't, so from technique to fighting IQ, I, I didn't like what I wanted to, like I saw from Viana. But at the same time, Macedo's not going to play conservative. She's going to play aggressive. Now, maybe that works better for her. Maybe Macedo finally gets the finish that she's been looking for, and her aggressive style pays off, but she fought practically nobody on the regional scene, and it's just a loss, really, since she's gotten there. She's had her moments in these fights, but... You know, unless her raw aggression just overpowers Viana early, it's hard not to see it, especially on paper, just her playing right into Viana's strength. So for that reason, I, I feel like I kind of have to take Viana because on paper it points that way, and you're going to throw plus money? Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to take Viana here, guys, but it's, this is on the avoids list, man. Maybe, you know, I'll sprinkle a degenerate, but I don't even know because I, I want Macedo to win. I like her, um, but uh, I'll take Viana here. But that is on the avoids list. All right. Recap of the picks and plays. How did we do? All right. Just over an hour of this episode. Not too bad. Sorry, folks, for the, the ranting in the beginning. Hopefully, you didn't get too emo on you there. Uh, and and you took the positive message uh, uh, from it, as I, I, am, I am doing as well. Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, taking her over Liz Carmouche. Uh, taking Vincente Luque over Mike Perry. Taking Luis Eduardo Garagori. Uh, over Humberto Bandane, taking Volcan Uzdemir over Ilir Latifi, taking Rodolfo Vieira over Oscar Piajota, taking Enrique Barzola over Barbara Moffitt, taking Alexei Konchenko over Gilbert Burns, Dujinho Burns, uh, that's how I say his name, uh, taking Cyril Gane over Rafael Pessoa, Taking Tisha Torres over Marina Rodriguez. Taking Rodrigo Bontoren over Jaulian Paiva. Taking Chris Gutierrez over Geraldo De Freitas. Taking Alex De Silva over Rodrigo Vargas. Taking Pauliana Viana over Veronica Macedo. Parlayed Luque Verviera for plus money at one unit. Uh, took Torres straight up at minus 155 for 1.5 units. Took Vieira by sub minus 130 for minus 1.5 unit. Shevchenko inside the distance, minus 130, 1.5 unit. Rounded out those two chalk props with Luque inside the distance at plus 115.75 units. And Silva inside the distance at plus 109.75 units. Feel free to take a look at Grigori inside the distance, plus 155 or... Bontorin by decision at plus 209. On the avoids list, though, is Paiva versus Bontorin, which is why I can't fully commit to that. Gane versus Pessoa. Let's see what they do. Defractus versus Gutierrez. Uh, took the dog there. Not confident in it. As well as took the dog in Vianica Macedo. All of which are on the avoids list. Thanks for those iTunes five stars and reviews. Feel free to hit me up there. 
Uh, Onnit link still working, but Amazon link down. Now I really got to revamp it. I will be doing that in the break that I still need to pull in the request for. I've been so busy or other things. Uh, I need to do that. And when that break happens in, a, in, in next month, uh, we will be revamping things. And don't worry, guys. Again, don't let me get you sad or, or let my sadness spread. It's a good thing. These are good things that are happening. I, uh, it was a great experience, but the, the, you know, we're, I, get to, I get to put back more into the Protecting Neck podcast, what I was doing, and and get back to that. Uh, there was a lot, you know, being taken out from behind the scenes, and now I get to redirect some of that energy. I'm sure uh, Junkie will be giving me uh, some more things to do, but we're gonna make sure that there are things that you want to see and I want to do as well. So everybody wins here, folks. This is this is good. Thank you for your support. I I appreciate it. I apologize for for the ranting. Uh, I know it doesn't provide that much answers for what other people are doing, but I can tell you what I'm doing, man. You can still find my work in Junkie. You can still find me here. I love you guys. Thanks for sticking with me. Apologies for the late episode. Good luck this weekend, and always protect your neck.